At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we did. Government is the problem. Welcome, everybody, to a liberal and a conservative walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name's Tim. I'm a conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure and check out our website at libcon.podbean.com or in the iTunes store. We're on the Google Play store. We're on the Stitcher. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at libconmatt. Tim is at libcontim. Uh, we're back. You can buy Tim's book on Amazon also. It's called Things I Want. Sorry, we're back. There we go. Now I can do this in the right order. Uh, we apologize for our long absence. We had we had some familial matters to tend to. Uh, we would not have been quite so long away had someone remembered to hit the record button. It's my bad again, team. That was me. That's, that's, that's my fault. That's twice. That's twice. That's two. One of these days is going to happen to me, and that's why I'm not is picking on you more about it. Yeah, I am recording. Hang <laughs> the right on. That's <laughs> So, uh, yes, familial matters wrapped up. Tim was out here for a, for a nice visit. We, we played some video games. It was, it was fun. I, I won the Madden thing. I do, I do feel like I should point about, point that out. You did by one. Yes. You <laughs> by did one, win. by two. Well, you did it. By you one? By one. We played again in order to bring it up to. Oh, that's right. I, yeah, I, I could have stopped it at 10, but I agreed to play the 11th just to, you know, yeah, that's right. That was, yeah. that was sympathy Madden. No, it wasn't. Oh, even. whatever. <laughs> Anywho, uh, yeah, so we, we have been long away at this stage. We have an, a number of, of, of catchy, uppy things. I'm not even going to give you a rundown. We're just, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Are you, are you well, my friend? Are you excited? Are you ready to do our thing again? I am. I'm excited to be, excited to be back on, excited to be back on the air. This is going to be, <laughs> no, I've missed it. I enjoy having this opportunity to talk and obviously I have plenty of thoughts and opinions. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. Let's do this. Yes, it's been a busy time. So uh, we'll 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 start off with with in case you hadn't noticed, we 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 bombed somewhere, and everyone just really loved Donald for 24 hours because he he did what 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 is a very presidential thing, supposedly, apparently, whatever, uh, and bombed a country. He bombed stuff. Um, he bombed that's stuff. What presidents he, do. He blew shit up. You know, that's 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 that's, right. that's, that's how we roll. Boom. You know, and there was. The singing to the night sky with the missiles and everything that Brian Williams did. Did you see John Oliver this week pointing that one out? That was pretty funny. No, uh, I missed that. I, awesome. I, I, I wasn't. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, because this is this is a thing, right? We bomb a place and they have cameras on the boats now, and it's all it's almost like they're hearkening back to the better days of of the first Iraq War when it was all new and we could see the missiles for the first time and it was all very cool. And Brian Williams, you know, I think was possibly masturbating under the desk while watching the missiles. It was really kind of creepy. Um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. So so we bombed Syria. So anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, we don't want to get wrapped up in that one either. Uh, so we bombed Syria, right? What, what I... Uh, did we bomb it because we actually needed to bomb it? Did we bomb it because we, you know, Ivanka saw pictures of, of of bad things and cried, and that made Donald want to go bomb somebody? Did we bomb them because uh, Trump figured, what the hell? There's nothing left for me to do, so I might as well bomb something. And now we, everybody loved the fact that he bombed him, and now he's probably going to bomb more places because ooh, I like it when I get praise because that's the kind of president that we have. Uh, 
I don't know, but I mean, let's you know, let's wow. let's start let's start with the well. I mean, let's start with the basics. This was a thing that was widely praised. As a matter of fact, Hillary Clinton said within a few hours of this actually happening that we needed to bomb Assad's airfields, and then we went and bombed an airfield. But there's a lot of questions as to whether or not this was the right airfield. Did we actually do anything to it? We didn't destroy the runways. It was up and running again an hour later. It pissed off the Russians. I mean, I don't know what, what, you know, I, I see a lot of, I see some good, I see some bad. What, what do you think? Well, my understanding has been, was, was that it was reasonably effective. Now I think we've done it twice now. We, we bombed once and then we bombed again. Uh, and the second time around, I, I thought, I, I thought the figure I heard was that we had destroyed a, a fifth of their, their air force. Like that we had done significant damage to this and it basically crippled the airfield. So, I mean, I could, I could be mistaken on all of that, but my understanding is that it's been, no, I think we did. I think we did from what I heard that that we did enough their ability to do this again. Like, I mean, and that's, that's the important thing. Well, I think we Um, took out, at least as far as we know, I know we took out a chunk of their air force. I was talking about the effectiveness of the airfield. We didn't stop the runway from being used. The runway was back up and running fairly quickly. As I understand it, they were they were launching launching planes out of it within 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 a few hours. I, I heard of the initial bombing run, um, but I mean, you know, and and it didn't and and destroying a runway is not an easy thing to do. You know, that generally takes more than Tomahawk missiles are capable of doing. So it's not that surprising based on the weapon of choice that we used, depending on what the point of the whole thing was. So, I, I mean. This was the, so there. There are a lot of different ways of looking at this, right? You know, this was this was something that Trump for years insisted that Obama shouldn't do. It would get us into a quagmire sort of situation, and it would upset. You know, it would it would upset fearless leader in in Vladimir. Uh, and so we thusly we shouldn't do it, or he shouldn't do it without congressional approval. Well, I mean, he went and did it without congressional approval, and some people would say that that's illegal. Uh, this was a pretty dramatic turn in a week of dramatic turns for Trump. Well, before, well, I guess before we go down the, the road of all the traumatic turns, that no, we'll, done, we'll get to those later. Uh, We're still on this. Yeah. The one, I don't think there's any way to look at this as anything but positive. Right. I mean, the, the Syrians, uh, Assad did something horrible. Uh, he did something that the entire world views as illegal. Uh, and we responded swiftly and appropriately. Um, we have not, you know, thrown ground troops into the mix or anything like that, which, which I would say is probably a positive. Um, and he did, if anything, the lesson that we really see in this is the, the gravity of the miscalculation by President Obama and the Republican Congress Back in 2013, when President Obama drew that, you know, drew the red line and then tried to go to Congress to get approval to do what he had already promised he was going to do. And then Congress did not give the approval. And then we sort of limped our way out and went with uh, Russia's, you know, sort of backup plan, which... uh, Russia basically made a treaty with 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 Syria and with Assad that they would get rid of all of their chemical weapons, uh, which obviously they either yeah. hid some away or they made. Good some job, noise. Russians. Um, 
you know, and, and it is, and, and Trump is very much right uh, in doing this now. Uh, now he is being a little disingenuous if he accuses Obama of doing the wrong thing when he accuses Obama of doing the wrong thing in 2013 because he he said he shouldn't bomb them either. You know, I mean, he was, uh, he agreed with that. So, good thing, good decision. Uh, I am, if the reason that he did it was because of Ivanka, then good for Ivanka. Thank you for stepping up and making sure that our president did the right thing. Sorry. So who do you put on? Uh, you what was that? That was a. It was a, It was an involuntary gag reflex. Why? Ivanka what in is the West with Wing. that? Why it, is? What like, is it happened. I don't. I can't. It just happened. You said Ivanka in the West Wing and things, and it did just. It, it oh just look. Gosh. It just. It's a thing. It's a. Re- I can't control it. It just. It just goes on. Wow. So how do you uh, um, add? So I, I, let's go back to 2013 for a minute because I, I just this this thought occurred to me this week. Who do you? Who do you, who do you who do you put that one on? Because Obama, I think, takes is willing to take responsibility for it. At least he sounded like it, sort of in the the waning days of of the presidency, that he he really took that on himself. But because I I sort of see that two ways. There's one where Obama was improving, I think, as a politician. You know, by that by that time, and so was was going to Congress, was that a political move to put that back on the Republicans and say, this is your responsibility, you guys need to do this? Or was he doing what he did, which was a lot of times he could be a bit of a constructionalist sometimes and say, okay, this is within the pre- not within my purview legally to do this without congressional approval. Legally, I have to go do this, and I'm trying to do the right thing. I'd like to think it was the latter, but I wonder sometimes. Well, I mean, my my bias towards uh, in favor of President Obama is kind of shine through here pretty clearly, and I, I I think he was a very a very thoughtful man, a very good man, and so I, I would tend to trust in the second um, that he was trying to do what he thought was the right thing to do, which was to go through Congress. Um, now that said, and it doesn't remove responsibility from him. Uh, he made the red line before. If his intention was always that he needed to go through Congress, then he shouldn't have drawn that red line. If he was going to no, draw a red fair. line and yeah. he was going to depend on Congress, then he should have gone to Congress first and gotten that whatever approvals he felt was necessary, and then made the red line. Once he made that red line and said, if you do this, we're going to attack, then we had to attack. I mean, all, all this, all that did was demonstrate that people could, didn't have to listen to what our president said. So that was, you know, looking back on President Obama's career, I look very favorably on the vast majority of it, but that is the one time which I will say, yes, that was a mistake. Now, is it well, shared by the Republican Congress? Yeah, absolutely. Republican Congress should have seen to it that uh, he was given clearance for military action uh, so that he could uh, take the steps that, that were necessary. Well, and that to me is the difference between the two, that Obama, again, as we said, was willing to, has, has said on, on a number of occasions that he takes responsibility for that. 
and mm-hmm. believes that that was his mistake, whereas Republican con- congressmen are never wrong and never guilty of making any mistakes whatsoever. Uh, but at, at the same time, I, 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 I tend to agree in the sense that, but I guess the thing that, I guess that is the interesting part of that to me is that people are willing to say you're the one that really screwed up when in fact it was really a very much shared responsibility sort of thing. And, and, but then at the same time, if he was going to draw that line in the sand, then he really should have known going in that he was going to get congressional approval without any trouble. He should have just, he should have, he should have made damn certain that he was going to get the approval that he needed to, to, to back up what he had said. And obviously he didn't do that, you know, because he never got it. So, and under um, the terms of, and now you got to remember that all of the crap that we're doing over there is under the, the freedom that was given to the president, uh, back under president Bush, right? All of the stuff that we're doing. So, I mean, he had quote unquote authority to do this. Uh, you know, he wanted, you know, what he wanted to do is he wanted to say, you know, that you know, he'd been operating, doing everything that he's been doing, all of the, the drone strikes that he's done, all of the everything. I mean, it's this, it's not like, well, and that's the other, that's one of the, the strange things. It's not like he never bombed anybody, right? He bombed lots of people. He called in lots oh, of drone yeah. strikes. Oh, yeah, he did. But for this one thing... He suddenly turned around and wanted congressional approval. So, I mean, it was a weird situation. And while I am willing to lay some of the blame with the Congressional Congress, I mean, the majority of the fault is with President Obama. Um, No disrespect to the man, love him very much. But, yeah, he should have done something different there. He didn't. And I think that this second uh, chemical attack is part of the repercussions of that. So, which, as you said, I think he accepts some of the fault there and we all make mistakes and there you go. Yeah, no, and I'm not, I'm not arguing that point. I'm really just kind of spitballing based on some of the, I mean, I've like, I've been thinking a lot about this last, obviously for the last several days, ever since the original bombing run. So, you know, the, you can't really even call it a bombing run. It was a missile launch because mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't a bombing run, but um, you know, it, I mean, I, okay. So you like the move then that, that right. Yeah. I mean, the there, there was no choice. I mean, that, I mean, it was absolutely necessary. I don't know what else you could have done. I don't know what other move you could have made. Um, yeah. I mean, at this stage in the game, I mean, maybe, I mean, you could make arguments for it being time to, send more people in or something, but I, I think that would be, I mean, th- this obviously is making our position with Russia precarious enough. Um, so you, you can't really do much more, uh, than, than what he did. So, yeah. And which brings us to the next topic of conversation, which is Russia. And oddly enough, we're not going to talk about the election or any of that stuff. It, it, it has to, you know, I, you know, there was, uh, 
the meeting between Tillerson and the, I, I think he met with Putin as well, didn't he? Or was he just meeting with the, the ambassador? I thought he was going to meet with Putin. I thought uh, he met with Putin as well, but I could be wrong. Uh, but then I only remember him talking about me having met with the ambassador. But anyway, I mean, both him and Trump use the, uh, uh, the phrase that we are at effectively an all-time low at this point, which is pretty low because, you know, uh, Trump spent a lot of time talking about how low we were under Obama. So we must be really low now at the tip low, uh, as, as, as the case may be, um, you know, I, but again, if, if the bombing run, if the, God damn it, I keep saying bombing run. If the, if the, if the missile strike was, uh, was, uh, you know, was necessary. If you look at that as a necessary thing, then to a certain extent, this was also a natural, a natural sort of progression of that. You know, is is that that this was gonna piss off the Russians if 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 we did anything that involved the military? So fortunately, I I think no Russian servicemen were killed uh, during the thing. But that's always a risk that you you know the more moves we make in Syria, we're gonna run that risk depending on where we where we bomb. So uh, you know, it's it's an interesting sort of place to be. So does that, does that aspect of it worry you? You know, this idea that we are at a, we are at the tippy low of relations as, as, as tippy low. Uh, well, of course it does. Um, and it, Syria is a mess. And this is, you know, president Obama said it himself that his handling of the situation in Syria, uh, wasn't good. Um, and, Whereas it would have been relatively straightforward for us to go in and establish no-fly zones and safe zones and a presence, and we could have done so with, you know, minimal loss of uh, minimal loss of life. Um, now we can't, because now Russia's all over the place in Syria, and it's a big, giant, goddamn mess. So. Yes, it's worrisome that we are an all-time low in our relationship with Russia. But that said, I don't think anyone's dancing on the edge of nuclear war. And as I've said before, we don't have that much to gain from wonderful, happy relationships with Russia. Russia is a powerful regional player. They are not a superpower anymore. The only thing that gives them superpower-like qualities is because of the nuclear. They have nuclear weapons, and so of course we don't want to be at an all-time low relationship with them. Of course we want to uh, try and make that relationship uh, better as best we can. But they simply do not have that much to offer us. So I hope it gets better, but we don't need to be checking with them before each and every move that we make. And we certainly did not need to refrain from doing a missile strike on Assad's air bases um, because of what Russia might say. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's fair. And, and I mean, I, the only real fear that you've got with Russia is a nuclear strike, right? And, and which, is, which is not, I mean, I, I don't say that as, oh, well, that's the only thing. Because obviously it's a big deal, but you know, I mean the this I I don't know I I read recently that we were starting to deploy uh, missiles now. We were starting to deploy technology that effectively has has the ability to uh, 
effectively stop strikes as long as we catch them, you know, long before they ever reach here. Um, and again, you, you hope that mutually assured destruction is, is something that they will continue to respect, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I suppose you never know, you know, cause Putin is sort of crazy. Uh, and that's, that's a scary sort of thing, you know, and I, and I don't, again, I don't mean to sort of lighten that, but I just have a difficult time seeing that happening over something like this, you know, and would we, yeah, that's uh, right. Putin, I, I, I mean, never say never, I guess. And there's no need to do anything foolish or stupid, but the odds of that are astronomically slim. You, know, you start worrying about nuclear weapons. You, you need to be a lot more worried about North Korea in that respect than you need to be worried about Russia. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, we'll we'll get to a little bit about North Korea in a little while. Um, so, I mean, I, have you have you anything anything further really to add to the Syria thing? I, I don't know that I do. You know, um, no, nothing aside yeah. from it is worth highlighting and and noting uh, that that we talked about this. You know, we we pointed out all of this in a show. You know, months and months ago talking about how Bush had gone into all of this with this idea that uh, he would create a, a, a better relationship with Russia. And Obama went in saying that we were going to have this reset in relationships with Russia. And Trump should have known better. He should have been able to look at what happened with the last two guys, and he should have known that Putin was not interested in creating better, happier relationships with the United States, but he kind of let himself get duped and hopefully he's learned his lesson and will do better in the future. Well, I mean, that's, but that's, you know, I don't know that that's, that's, that's where Trump frankly was running a much better, actually was running a much more traditional campaign in a lot of ways in just saying I'll do better than the last guy. Uh, and pointing out the last guy's flaws. Uh, you know, oddly enough, the only one that really talked realistically about relationships with Russia really was Clinton um, between the two. I thought Clinton had a very – she had never once brought up the reset thing or we're going to get better or, you know, she was always very cautious when discussing Russia. Well, sure, because, I mean, she literally yeah, she knew. was yeah. the reset. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was – Yeah, like she'd been that, there and done that and that was it. You know, yeah. yeah, so yeah. that would have been beyond stupid if she had – yeah. No, it. really, I got so, this. You know, but very, very I, I do have I have every confidence. Um, you know, obviously not in Trump, but I, I have every confidence in the people that he has put in charge uh, of national security, the people that he's put in charge of the Department of Defense, and um, every specifically in, in specifically in, so, in 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 Jay Kush. We have we 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 believe in Jay Kush. <laughs> I didn't mean him. Like I'm not trying to hate on him or anything. But I wasn't talking about him. I was just struggling with some names, like I, General Mattis, and um, I couldn't think of the new national national security guy. I couldn't remember. Uh, H. McMaster is that him? McMaster. McMaster. Yeah. McMaster. So yeah, I yeah. He looks like a really interesting guy. McMaster, really Mattis, and Tillerson, and uh, and I do feel much more confident now that um, Bannon seems to be sort of a little bit on the out. Um, I have much more confidence in Mr. Kushner listening to those three uh, than I did in Bannon. Um, so, 
and I think Trump listens to Kushner. So Bannon's just a whack job. I mean, he's 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 always been a whack job, and you know, he I don't know. I I I really hope he just gets thrown out on his ass and uh, ask for it. I there's not many people that I would actually genuinely say that I thoroughly 100% are loathsome human beings. And I'm pretty sure Steve Bannon might be right up there uh, on, on that list. Cause good God, uh, some of the crap I've seen out of that dude. Like I'm not actually even convinced that I think Trump is a lousy human being. Uh, I kind of an idiot sometimes, but I'm, I'm not convinced that he's, he's an awful person just yet. I, I don't know. Not fit to be the president, but you know that's that's another story. Um, so, you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit about some of that other stuff a little bit later on. So, we, we have a new Supreme Court justice. In, in case you haven't heard, uh, his name is uh, Merrick Garland. Uh, <laughs> Surprise! I meant I meant Neil Gorsuch. My bad. Uh, and uh, yeah, so you know it. This unfortunately, the story really about this really wasn't that. Gorsuch got not confirmed and later sworn in as he has been with nine Supreme Court justices again eight months later or however long it's been. Uh, and, uh, you know, which I'm, I'm sure is great for the rest of the other eight, you know, in the workload. Um, but really, the story was more about what the Senate did and McConnell and nuclear option. Schumer and the filibuster McConnell running down and high-fiving people when he got rid of the filibuster, which I thought was poor form. Um, but then, oh I, Lord, I, did he I, really? I, I, yeah, uh, that's disgusting. I, yeah, and then I but I, I I generally think that Mitch McConnell getting up in the morning is poor form. But um, uh, so that I don't know how much that says, but uh, you know. Um, I let, let's start with the, the filibuster and the, the Democrats move on the filibuster as, as the liberal in the conversation. I thought it was a stupid idea to be honest with you. I really did. I understand why Democrats are mad. I understand that they're still angry about the Merrick Garland thing. And that stings. I get it. And maybe Mitch McConnell would have done this. Maybe he would have found some other reason to nuke the filibuster over judicial nominees. I, I don't, I don't know, but this is a guy that, that was approved by just about every legal organization in the country, including the ABA as a, as a good guy and a good judge. Was he perfect for Democrats? No, he wasn't perfect for Democrats. Of course not. He came from a Republican president. What do you expect? But this is the kind of guy that in this climate would have been approved 80, 20, 30 years ago without any trouble and it wouldn't have been a big deal and i really thought i would have been more impressed with the democrats honestly if they had just backed off this one and said you know what we're gonna let you have this one i really thought this would have looked better on them as a turn the other cheek kind of moment and i think that they in order to save face with the base they 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 forced they 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 went into this thing where they could where they they all they did was lose and that's kind of the way i feel about it i i honestly i don't necessarily fault mcconnell i fault him for the way he behaved but i knew that that he was going to do this this was exactly the way that everybody said this was going to go down and there were no surprises on either side and that was kind of disappointing to me 
Yeah, it's just sad and disappointing. Um, it was sad and disappointing when uh, they were forced to get rid of the nuclear option, the filibuster option, uh, back in 2013 for the appointment of all other um, nominees for various core positions. And it's equally sad now when they've had to do it for the Supreme Court Um I mean, had is not the right term to use, right? Uh, in 2013, you know, that was largely the fault of the, the Republicans um, and their behavior in the Senate and refusing to allow those judges to be appointed. Um, and this time around, I, either side could have been the bigger person, right? Uh, whether it was the Democrats... Um, not uh, voting for uh, Neil Gorsuch, or if it had been the Republicans saying, look, the filibuster is too important. We're not going to get rid of this. So we're going to appoint and we're going to get another judge. Uh, that would have been a lot harder uh, than the Democrats just accepting this very qualified judge. But I, either side had the opportunity to be the bigger person. Uh, and it is nothing but sad and regretful and dreadful that this is the current situation of our Congress. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was a headline on Politico rest in peace. U S Senate 1789 dead to 2017. Uh, and I don't necessarily want to go onto a, a rant about, you know, how it used to be in the good old days, you know, between, you know, with Ronald Reagan and tip O'Neill, but uh, you know, it, I mean, there is, a lot of truth in that. And, and, and the thing about it is, is that this is just, and I still, I mean, I, I hate to get on this, but I just, I lay so much of this at the feet of in the current era. I lay so much of it at the feet of Mitch McConnell, John Boehner, Paul Ryan, and, uh, and the Republicans at large in the, because, you know, it's like you said, we, we lost the, 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 you know, Mitch McConnell would has said on several occasions, well, Harry Reid did this first. Well, yeah, but he did it first because Republicans backed him into a corner in 2013. And we had this massive shortage of judges caused by Republicans refusal to bring anybody to the floor for a vote. Um, so it is, it is to me, this is just another, it, it's another in a long line of Republicans don't like the rules, so they just change the rules over and over and over and over and over again, or they force someone else to change the rules and then blame them. And and I, I don't understand when this became a thing for them. Was this always, this doesn't seem like this was always a thing. You know, it seemed like there were institutions and we respected them, regardless of whether or not they always worked out in our favor from a party standpoint. And I don't know, am I being too hard on them? Maybe I am. I'm, I'm totally open to that possibility. Well, some of it comes from, uh, Gingrich, um, and the, yeah. their behavior. Uh, so some of it comes from that. Um, you know, and, and, and there are certainly areas where we can point to Democrats, uh, doing similar sorts of things. We have a long history as a country, um, but one thing I would highlight, McConnell's been in the Senate for a long time, so he's been a part of 
the sort of more gentlemanly behavior discussion. Uh, Boehner, same thing. He'd been in the game for a long time. Uh, Ryan, not quite as long as those two, but he'd been in there for a decent bit. So, well, yes. He has been. I didn't realize how young he was when he was initially elected. He yeah. Was his, he was, what, 20, like 29 or 30 something. or something? When he, he first... He'd been in the game for a while. So... Well, you've got you've got two things here. One, you've got the idea that attitude reflects leadership, right? So our leadership is McConnell and Ryan and Boehner, and therefore these things are their fault. Okay, that's fair. Um, at the same time, though, I I blame our base. I blame the Republican voters. We not we elect these people. We're the ones who latch on to this issue or that issue, and we've allowed ourselves. We overcome with vitriol and venom, and this is the result. And we can point at our politicians all we want and say this is their fault, but in the end, we nominated them, we elected them, we did this. I... I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I basically, yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I, I try to be, I really want to be bipartisan about some of this stuff, but at the same time, it's just, there's a, there's a thing where that's just, it's just hard right now when it comes to this specific sort of thing. And, you know, I mean, I don't, well, I do no, see, no, okay. I, I was talking about Republican voters, the Democratic voters as well. I'll lay, I'll lay that blame all, all, all around. On voters, right? The Democratic senators refuse to back down. Why? Because of the base. Oh, definitely. Because yeah. In this case, yeah, they you were know? scared of alienating. They were scared of alienating the the Bernie mm-hmm. folk and felt like they needed to stand up. You know, over the, you know, the um, uh, uh, over the the crap i don't know what i'm trying to say but uh they uh over the garland thing the merrick garland deal Mm -hmm. uh you know and 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 again that's why i say i mean i get it i understand why people are mad but you know there's just there's a line where somebody's just got to one of these days somebody is gonna have to just stand up all right that's enough with this and it seems like there are there are elements that are trying to do that you know i read a a, a, i've read uh some really great articles on on in Vox and in a couple other different places that there are groups pockets of senators on both sides that are actually taking a lot of crap both from the leadership and from uh from members of their own party for doing this but they have this thing called the two I think they call it the Tuesday night club or the Tuesday night dinner club where it's it's a group of I think uh of senators and representatives both from both parties that are getting together and trying to sit down and craft centrist legislation mm-hmm. uh, that is not, that doesn't look a thing like what the, the bases are trying to do. So, and, and these are all, I'll, I'll get some names for the next show. Cause they're, they're really, it's an interesting sort of thing uh, that are really trying to push back on all of this. But it's why I say it's, it's, it's really important to, if it's at all possible, vote out your incumbents because that's the only thing these people mm-hmm. listen to. I mean, we've had, you know, uh, this, this, this absolute, gigantic douche from Oklahoma, Mark Wayne McMullen, who was in a, in a town hall who said, 
you don't pay you don't pay me to do this. That's quote bullcrap is what he said. I pay for myself. And pushing back on the idea that taxpayers pay his way to go to to Washington, that taxpayers have anything to do with it, and that he owes anything to taxpayers. I mean, come on. I, wow. I just yeah. I not to mention the fact that what adult says bullcrap. Just say bullshit, please. <laughs> if you mean it, you know don't. Hit a double. Why are you taking a double when you can hit a home run? That's all I'm saying. Well, and this is fair. And that's also where, I mean, attitude does reflect leadership. You know, so I'm not hearing, um, you know, I never heard Harry Reid. I'm certainly not hearing Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or Mitch McConnell or Paul Ryan highlighting these groups of centrist senators and representatives. I'm not hearing any of them push the goodness of everything that no labels is trying to accomplish. I'm not hearing that from them. No, and you're not going to No, And I'm not, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm not in any way saying that, uh, you know, that you are, uh, you know, it, uh, it doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't jive. And, and a lot of it, you know, one of the things I did want to say is that a lot of the, what's interesting is that a lot of the people that are part of this, uh, thing they call it. I've just got it. I finally pulled it up. It's called the centrist project, uh, is, uh, uh, they're, they're members, they're former military members who are tired of the way that Congress is, has not really worked in their favor. So that also is great is that there are more members of the armed forces, uh, as they get into their thirties and forties out of our generation that are, are doing things like running for office. And, and that, that is, that is fantastic. That's really great. Um, so hopefully that will, uh, uh, that will continue. So, uh, other things that we missed, but just before we get into even more heavy things. So the, the, the United, the, the, the thing that everyone's really is talking about is the United airlines thing. Uh, this, 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 uh, Vietnamese American doctor who was kicked off, the airline flight. Uh, Even more appalling to me is the fact that he wasn't being bumped because they overbooked. He was being bumped for, for, for United airlines employees basically to get seats. There were four, they wanted four people to get off. So their own employees could have seats on the plane. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, was, was dragged off as though he had been under arrest for something other than just boarding a plane that he paid for. Uh, Obviously this is a, this is a, this is terrible. I mean, this was just absolutely. I, there are no words for this. I, what were your, what were your what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, this is like those videos of the cops shooting people. Like, I I couldn't even I couldn't even watch uh, the video. I heard maybe like a couple of couple seconds of it and just shut it off. Um, it's absolutely wretched. Uh, I will thoroughly enjoy him suing the hell out of United Airlines. And I'm a little surprised that there's no talk of criminal charges being filed. Um, I know that those three airline officers or whatever have been uh, suspended, I believe. But it seems to me that there should be some sort of uh, criminal charges brought against somebody. Um Right. I mean, I, foolish. I, I don't know, but I mean, the guy had a concussion. He lost a couple of teeth. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, that just seems, you know, insane. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's baffling that no one has filed criminal charges, but 
I, I, there is a, I've, I've read in several places and I'm, I wonder if, if this is, and I, and I totally wholeheartedly agree with this to me, the airline industry is the quintessential example of corporations gone completely out, out of, out of control that actually this, these are perfect examples of why anti where and the lack of antitrust legislation can go and a lack of competition because honestly i really do think the bulk of the airlines in this country united american delta really do feel like they can do whatever the hell they want and no one's going to say anything which is why flying in this country kind of sucks right now it's not really fun it's a pain in the butt you're crammed in there like sardines and they had something like 49 or 50,000 people were bumped from flights last year that they had already paid for because this overbooking thing is totally legal and they can do, again, they can do whatever the hell they want to do. And this is, to me, indicative of that attitude. And it, to me, it, it, it says something about what happens when you have a small group of, of companies that are effectively allowed to control an entire industry with no repercussions and no competition at all i don't know i think that's a bold statement i I think when we're looking at uh places where there is lack of competition i really don't think that the the airlines is the place um seems to be a pretty decent amount of competition really amongst airlines especially now when you look at the growth of airlines like JetBlue and allegiant uh spirit virgin uh, and then you've got those up against, you know, Delta and American and United. And I, I don't know. I, I fly a lot. Um, I, I certainly don't feel a lack of choice when it comes to airlines. I mean, you really don't. You don't. You don't. You really don't see that that this is that there's anything. You really don't feel like 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 airlines just sort of have this attitude like they can do that like they can do anything like there's no. No consequences at all, and and we're all just sort of, you know, one more person that can stomp on. You don't feel that way. No, uh, flying for me has generally been a fairly pleasant experience. Um, generally, I'm able to find what I what I believe to be reasonably priced uh, airline tickets, especially now with the advent of things like Google Flights and Expedia, and um, now you throw in the discounts of places like JetBlue and Allegiant and all those things. Uh, yeah, no, I just, I, I don't see it. And the, and the overbooking in general, um, you know, now most of the time, now what United did was egregious, right? Like this, this should never be allowed and there should be severe repercussions against them. And I think that there will be. Well, it um, wasn't even overbooking. It was just them wanting seats for their people. Well, which in a sense is overbooking. They shouldn't have, but if they needed those four seats, then they shouldn't have booked, you know, those, those flights. Um, so they, I mean, they how would you like to be the, the United employee that had to go sit in that seat for that flight? Yeah. Right. Hey, hi everybody. Hey, <laughs> hi. hey, I'm just going to, can gonna, I just put this my, is my, uh, this is my spot. I'm just going to squeeze this in is it. guys. I'm going to, I'm going to put my bag up here. Let me just shift this over to the. All right, I'm good. I'm going to sit here and read yeah. my book. <laughs> I, I mean, if, if overbooking is a thing, um, 
you know, if they've overbooked a flight, then they ask for volunteers to come off the flight in exchange for some sort of recompensation. If Which I'm sorry, for a grand, I would have done place. it. I don't yeah. know who didn't if get it. That was $1,000 they, they were offering. Then they have to do, you know, they have to keep upping the price until they can get someone to do it. And at some point, overbooking ceases to be economically feasible because no one ever wants to come off of flights. Then they'll stop overbooking. But certainly a line does need to be drawn when it comes to dragging people off of flights. But I I think this was a rarity. I don't think that this was indicative of the way the airlines function in general. Uh, Like I said, I fly a lot. I've never seen anything close to that uh, in all the times that I've flown. Um, So I'm 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 much more concerned about the general state of our airports uh, and our need for infrastructure reform and money being put into those um, than I'm concerned about. Are air, the way that the airlines are handled. So I'm going to well, attack the government. Shocking. I'm going to attack the government and you're going to attack CEOs. Weird. Um, yeah, I mean, our government needs to be putting more money into airlines and be putting more money into airports. That's what I think. That's, that's the aspect of flying that is hellish. That's fair. <clears throat> All right. Well, there we go. My, I will, I will, I will voice a, a further tiny amount of outrage at the man at, at, at just by stating that the man's a fellow Kentuckian and don't screw with us because we sue. We sue. Oh. <laughs> um, anyhow, all right. Well, that's enough about United. So I, I, uh, we, we've had we we had a very long discussion of, of the of the the death of the Amer- uh, American Healthcare Act, affordable healthcare, whatever thing. Uh, just briefly, uh, uh, you know, I, do you see this going anywhere? Let me put it there because I don't want to rehash the whole thing. But, I mean, do you see this going anywhere anytime soon? I mean, there have been some sort of quick whispers and sputters and startups, but not really anything happening. Do you, do you see anything going on this for a while? Or do you think they're going to really shelve it? Well, here's the thing. They can't shelve it, you know. That, that's the thing because it's not like Obamacare is trucking along just fine. Uh, if we would just leave it alone. Now, I know the CBO came out with its thing saying that the market would stabilize. Um, I don't really see how that's what's going down when we see more and more of companies pulling out of the marketplaces. Yeah. Um, and now we've got the issue coming up of that. A, I mean, so a big part of the lower income stuff, right, is if you get into one of these lower income uh, silver plans, right, then you qualify for not just the, the income subsidies, right, the tax credit, but you also qualify for lower deductibles and lower copayments because of these subsidies, a judge ruled those subsidies illegal um, during the Obama administration. Now, because they never got congressional approval for them. So Obama then filed his appeal. And so they had continued during the appeal. And then we realized that we were about to elect a Republican president. So we, we stopped, we as Republicans stopped pushing because we're just going to wait and see well, now we failed in our attempt to repeal, and now we've got these subsidies sitting here that are, as I said, these weren't congressionally approved. So these are completely at the whim of the executive. 
and you've got an executor who has said that he wants Obamacare to fail, that he is looking, waiting for this to crash and burn so that then they will do something else. So I'm, I'm a little nervous because I feel like he might just do that, pull those subsidies, let it crash and burn, and see what happens. Now, I think that Kushner and Ivanka will tend to be the voices of reason telling him, no, that's not really the way to do things. But I think that's entirely possible. Um, and then there's also the fact that they are illegal. They've been declared illegal. So I don't know what's happening with the appeal, but once the appeal actually does go through, if it fails, the subsidies go away automatically. So they have to do something, but I don't know what that something is going to be. I have no clue. Uh, I hope would, that it one is. Would, one would think. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would hope that it is something because he's sort of got two choices, right? He can either go to the extreme of appeasing the Freedom Caucus, right? Or he can go in the direction of appeasing Democrats. Um, and I think that our country would be better served if he went in the direction of trying to form some form of bipartisan agreement with Democrats, and ignored the Freedom Caucus. Well, but Ryan said straight out he didn't want to do that. And Ryan said, and I quote, I don't want to do that when asked if he if he should try working with Democrats. So, well, that's not quite. Ryan, Ryan pretty well shot that one That's not down. quite the exact quote. Um, but it, it, hopefully this is. It's pretty close. Well, you, you got That was again, the exact quote. Uh, I don't want to do that. Well, well. Yeah, you got to read that one in the whole context. That one's really, I feel like that line's really been taken out of context. Um, I so know. I feel like I read the whole thing. But hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to figure something out. So, yeah, but no, I'd, I don't think it's just going to get ignored because it can't just be ignored. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. It's it's not like, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, this, this felt like sort of a minor thing on the Republicans agenda for the last several years they didn't really seem to pay that much attention mm -hmm. to it so um yeah i don't know i i i don't i i i honestly i think if you ask me i think if, if trump wanted i i think that the real smart move would be for trump to do exactly that you know he 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 whined about how the republic that we got no democratic support on this well no you didn't get any democratic support on this you didn't go after it you didn't do anything democrats wanted of course you didn't get any democratic support so go after them try to get their support my question is will ryan back that and i don't my me personally i don't think he will because my opinion of paul ryan and i have yet to be proven wrong on this is that paul ryan does not like bipartisanship he is he is he may be a policy wonk but he is a tea party freedom caucus guy he doesn't like bipartisanship and he won't work with democrats He's never proven me wrong on that, and he has yet to. That that's been my opinion to the man for years, and he's yet to prove me wrong on it. I know that that's not what you think about him, but I think he is as hardline as anybody. I think he just wraps it up in what he sees as intelligence, and I I don't I don't buy it. You know, but this is his chance to prove me wrong, frankly, because I don't think he's going to get the Freedom Caucus people either. So. Uh, he wants to have his cake and eat it too. And I don't think he's going to be able to do it one way or the other. So, 
but we'll see. You know, I, I don't know. But like you said, I don't I don't know that I don't think they can shelve it, you know, because there is work that has to be done. Uh, an interesting thing I, I saw in Alaska, uh, Alaska basically facing last year, they faced they were facing a 42 percent rise in premiums for individual plans. Uh, state officials obviously freaked out. So Alaska's health commissioner put together a plan that had the state pay back insurers for high medical claims that were submitted to Obamacare plans. And that lowered the premiums for everybody. So when faced with, by doing that, they dropped their premium increase to 7% where it was going to be 42%. So in a lot of ways, wow. they fixed the problem. So, but it, but it took the state pouring money in to cover claims. And now the state is going after, now they're trying to get the feds to foot that bill. And Trump apparently is listening. Really? So, well, that's all interesting. Yeah, I've never heard, he hasn't, heard anything He about hasn't that. shut it down. I have read about it this morning. It was a really interesting sort of uh, thing. And now, but now that, you know, now they're trying to get the feds to foot the bill. So it, you know, it's, it, it, it's an interesting idea that they came up with and it did take care of at least part of the premium increase. I don't know that 7% is acceptable. It still seems a little high to me, but certainly better than 42. Right. But then again, that's just so on top of, on top of cover, on top of the subsidies, on top of all the money that, gets poured into the the ACA by the federal government. Now they're going to start covering claims too. That seems extreme to me. Uh, that also seems to me is propping up the industry the wrong way, but you know, it I, is. I don't know. It is yeah. all propping the industry up the wrong way. Absolutely. We need, so. we need comprehensive healthcare reform. Uh, Obamacare did its best. It was a step, a step in the right direction, but we we need to, we need to give this a second shot. So, step. Uh, so there have been a couple of other interesting sides in Trump land over the last uh, couple weeks. Uh, you know, DJ has been uh, Steve Bannon sort of looks to be getting thrown justifiably under the bus uh, lately, and, and and one one article I read said that the Trump had thrown threw Bannon under the bus and then backed over him. Uh, I couldn't be happier about it, frankly. Um, and uh, we've sort of seen the the rise of one Jared Kushner throughout all of this. We're, we've decided we're going to refer to him as Jay Kush. So uh, it will be the DJ and Jay Kush show, uh, I think. And then, of course, Spicy had some trouble uh, with his little, you know, because he's... <laughs> I've, I've not agreed to any of these nicknames, just to make sure we're so. all on the same page here. This is not well, a lot of people call him spicy. I, I, that's not, I that's know, new. That's I know not a lot new. Of people do, but I, I tend to still try to refer to people by their full names and their titles. You know, Jay Kush was your idea. That, was, okay not, that was your said, idea. No. You did too. I know. I, you I were here. DJ we were talking about it. You said time. Jay Kush. No, you oh said Jay Kush. That doesn't All mean right. that I want them forever referred to by. Nicknames, and I don't remember. Maybe I did say Jake at one point <laughs> while I was trying to remember his name. I honestly didn't think I had, but maybe I did. Uh, all right, but no, I do not support the calling. Well, what title does Jared names. Kushner have, really? Maybe just I mean, his name, Jared Kushner. Jared? I think I called or... him Mr. Kushner at some point in here. God forbid, eh, he's like 12. He's my age, <laughs> I know he's like 12, he's younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway. So anyway, so Bannon, fortunately, I think I don't think either one of us is going to uh, see him gone. I mean, this is there's been a lot of trouble. You know, there's been a lot of back and forth. His previous on the way out too. You know, the 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 rocky start. Uh, you know, I think seems to have been laid largely at the feet of Bannon and, and Priebus, whether or not that's reasonable. I, I don't know. It certainly seems to be to me because I mean, a lot of the things that, that were laid out, you know, the, the Muslim ban that were failures, you know, the Muslim ban, the AHCA, these were things that, that Priebus and Bannon, Bannon in particularly pushed very hard for, uh, and they were just colossal, uh, failures. Uh, overall. So, um, uh, you know, uh, so that's out. But, you know, the interesting thing is, again, to me is, do we, do we, or don't we have nepotism laws? It doesn't seem that we do. They're a little bit, apparently they're like antitrust laws. We have them, but we don't enforce them. So, you know, these are two very new, it's, it's not new to me in Ivanka's case for a presidential daughter to be involved, to assume an almost first lady-ish sort of role sometimes that's that's happened in the past there's precedence for it uh and that wouldn't necessarily bother me but the idea that Ivanka just all of a sudden gets her own office in the west wing and is now involved in policy making decisions and is going on uh foreign foreign policy you know meetings and all of these things that i question and kind of the same thing with Kushner. I don't know that he has really any more qualifications on any of these things other than that more any more than Ivanka does. And there was no confirmation process. There was no vetting. They just they they, they get jobs because they're members of the president's family. I again, I thought we had laws against this kind of thing. Well, one thing you got to remember is that they're not being paid. So, jobs is a strong term. Um you know, they're they're vol- they are unpaid. Well, neither is neither is Trump. Technically, they are unpaid employees, right? So they're putting themselves through the same vetting process uh, that anyone else has to go through, uh, and they are not being paid. They're not being given cabinet level positions or anything like that. Uh, they're and serving in advisory roles, which the president has a lot of leeway to do. So, you know, am I vaguely uncomfortable with all of these things? Yes. But honestly, I mean, if you had to ask me who am I most comfortable with giving advice to the president, uh, you put them up against Priebus and um, Bannon and, well, I'll take those two, (laughs) you know, so. I can't argue that point. I I can't, you know. and especially as a Democrat, because basically this is the fascinating situation that we're in, is that we now have a Republican president whose primary advisor is, for all intents and purposes, a Democrat. So, that's interesting and new. Um, so, honestly, I would think Democrats would be a little bit happier. I mean, Ivanka and Jared have... They were Democrats. Ivanka couldn't even vote for Trump, right? Wasn't that part of the whole thing? She couldn't even vote in the Republican primary because she was a Democrat. Democrat or not, that still doesn't make her qualified. Well, I'm not saying it makes her qualified, but that's. I mean, I mean, yes, it's, yes, it's an interesting curiosity, but it doesn't. You know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I question their qualifications. 
You know, I, I just do. You know, I mean, it's. I mean, we at one point we talked about. You know, Republicans sort of had the same, uh, the same response to uh, to Hillary Clinton back in the nineties. But the difference to me is, as you pointed out, was that you know Hillary really kind of had Hillary had chops. You know, she was a lawyer. She'd been involved in community active uh, community uh, uh, community leadership and activities for years, uh, um, and and had been you know involved in all of her husband's campaigns and in all of uh, all of his policy, a lot of his policy decisions, and and very involved in Arkansas politics for years before they got to the white house. So this is nothing new to her. It freaked people out, but she was still extraordinarily qualified, especially when put up against Ivanka and, 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 and Jay Kush. Well, here's the thing with, with, with Mr. Kushner that you got to keep in mind. Yeah, you did. uh, I did. Um, You did Jay Kush on purpose. So the thing you've got to keep in mind though, is that, the we we the american people made trump president in large parts because they wanted someone they wanted a ceo they wanted this business person they wanted someone that they thought could get things done and they wanted him specifically because he wasn't part of this bureaucratic governmental processes right well kushner is qualified along those exact same lines He's a very ex- experienced, intelligent, successful business person. So, management's management would be the argument that he was good at managing all of those things. He's going to be good at managing these things. And that's exactly what the American people voted for. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I still maintain a healthy dose of skepticism. Hey, I, so. I, and I'm not arguing with that. I have a similar healthy dose of skepticism. skepticism. Um, it's even more awkward because I have no idea what Jared Kushner's political views are. No one does. No one knows what this guy thinks. Um, so, I, yeah, I have no clue what's going to happen. <laughs> You know, and I mean, there's well, no and, way. And, and, and we, my we point is, that's not good. Like, no, it's not good. Nothing about the Trump presidency is good. Okay, <laughs> nothing is good. There is just bad, and well, I don't know. So, uh, and that's not true. I like a lot of his cabinet appointments. I like Neil Gorsuch. So that's no, there's nothing good. But uh, you know, there's there's a lot of question marks, and there's a lot of weird, and there's a lot of things up in the air. And while I don't, I'm not going to say that Jared Kushner has my full confidence. I got a lot more confidence in him than I do Bannon. And uh, no doubt, if, if, no doubt, if seeing the Kushner team sort of taking precedence over the Bannon team means that I have to get a little bit more comfortable with this sort of awkward, odd, semi nepotistic thing, then well, okay. All right, we'll see how it goes. Fair enough. Um, so we're gonna wrap up tonight with with uh, with with DJ's some interesting reversals in DJ land. The last little last little bit, uh, you know, uh, uh, Trump ran largely on a on a a platform that included 
many of the following things. NATO is outdated and terrible. Uh, Russia is is pretty good, and we can get along with them. Uh, China is awful, and I will brand them a currency manipulator. And uh, the North Korea thing, nah, yeah, I can handle that. And uh, we shouldn't bomb Syria and all of these things. So just really in the last five days, uh, we, we can bomb Syria. That's fine. Uh, NATO is actually uh, a, a good thing now. Uh, Russia is bad, and we're at, at an all-time low, as we said previously. China is doing a, quote, great job with uh, North Korea, and that was after, uh, as, as Trump himself said 10 minutes into a meeting with the Chinese president, that's uh, now the, the, the China's phenomenal. And uh, that whole currency manipulator thing that he went on and on and on about on the campaign trail uh, has now been largely shelved. Uh, that, that's really since Friday, uh, that all of that happened. Um, okay. So on one hand, a lot of these things that, that, that he's suddenly had these major reversals on are things that both of us on the show, uh, have given him crap for. And now he's sort of come over to our side. So that's, that's one way to look at it. Thumbs up. Good job. Another way to look at it, and that wonders me, that I wonder is that I, I, I wonder what the plan is. Because he doesn't really seem to have a plan. He just kind of seems to change his mind all over the place. And presidents change their mind. That's normal. Uh, and it's never as easy. One of the things that is a, that is a consistent thing with presidents, with ex-presidents more specifically, is that they all say, you don't know what it's like to sit in that chair until you have to sit in that chair. And once you do, everything changes. And it's why they are loath to openly, now they may privately do it, but they're loath to openly criticize each other. Uh, it's one of the reasons why Bush largely was quiet during most of the Obama years. Uh, apart from making complimentary appearances at benefits and, uh, you know, the things where ex-presidents are expected. Uh, privately, I think he was critical, but, you know, largely he stayed quiet uh, and became BFFs with Michelle, which is still hard to wrap around. But, you know, great. Um, so is this is this a natural outcropping of... You don't really know what you're talking about until you're there. And then all of a sudden things look way differently than they did when you weren't there. Uh, Are these just general mind changing or is this just, do we just have a president who is just easily, are they just, is this just, you know, kind of pissing into the wind and, 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 and just the reactions of somebody who is easily plied just being sort of reactionary. Cause sometimes that's, that's a lot of times that's what it feels like that he's being reactionary. Or is he learning on the job? You know, any of the above. What do, what, what do you feel? Well, there was always going to be a lot of learning on the job necessary for him. Um, as, as there was. <laughs> well, and as there was for Obama. You know, yeah. there was a lot of learning. on. You know, that was always Clinton's thing. I'm ready to be president from day one. And uh, we never wanted that. We always wanted the new guy. And so we have to suffer through um, these initial growing pains. Um and as far as 
what is this what is this going to mean in the long term? There's no way to know. I, I can't sit here and say, good job, he's seen the light and is doing exactly what I talked about maybe in the show that I forgot to record uh, of that, you know, that Russia, Russia is not the important one. China is the important one. You want to pick a uh, country with, you know, eh, morality, uh, then go, go pick China. Don't pick Russia. Um, so I'm glad that he's switching over. I'm glad that he's changed his mind on the import-export bank. I'm glad that he's, um, hopefully he'll change his mind on immigration as well, you know. Um, and we'll just see. Hopefully these are things that he is learning are the right ways to go, and he's going to stand by them. Uh, or maybe in a couple of weeks, everything will change. Yeah, maybe Saturday morning at, you know, three in the morning, we'll get a tweet and everything will be different. That's my, that's my concern. That's, that that's, that's the real fear is, and, and the th- I don't know that it's a fear, but it's a, it's a concern. Well, know, because it, it should be know, a that's, fear. That's, that's, that's what this, that's what this guy, that's what this guy does. He just yeah. sort of seems to, oh, nobody likes that. Well, okay, I'll do this or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. But the thing that, that I think is interesting about these is that a lot of these, these are all things that people were pointing out to him for months, if not years. Okay. During the run up to the, the, the election. And he largely ignored them. He, he didn't pay any attention, mm-hmm. but now that he's in there and, and is seeing it, maybe now it's making a difference. Well, you know, because it's not, it's not like he hadn't heard these arguments before he had, he has to have, you know, People must have been telling him these things. Uh, and then he stuck on the uh, the one track, maybe because he knew it was going to get him elected, maybe because he knew the crowds liked it or, you know, typical politician stuff, which, you know, is, is to a certain extent normal. I think he took it to another level. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I do, there is a part of me that actually wonders if this might actually be real. I I'm I don't want to get any hopes up or anything because dear God I have no hope but uh you know <laughs> well we all you know it it was always going to be a matter of he he sort of had these two groups um he had some crazies and he had this sort of access of the sensible that he had put into and put into play and it was always going to be a question of who did he listen to more and in the beginning it seems like maybe he listened to the people who we're a little off um, and is quickly seeing that their policies don't work and is moving and now in the direction of listening to the people along that access of the sensible. Hopefully that will continue at the access of the sensible, but did you make that up? No, it's still from the economist hashtag. Ah. I love you. Yeah. No. <laughs> Think responsibly. Awesome. They're the best. Said, That's good. <laughs> yeah. No, it's I'm, terrible that we I'm have to that have that. that. For the administration. Uh, but, you know, anyway. Yeah, that's freakish. All right. Well, anyhow. Well, that's that. That that is all we have, I think, from a topic standpoint. Uh, Very this good. Is a little bit take us longer out with than cool. some of our shows. What? Take us out with something cool. All right. I'll take us out with something cool. I'm ripping this right off the show that we did last time because I still think it was very cool, although I will leave off the some of the anger that I had. Uh, you know, we, we were coming off. 
the NCAA tournament, I am loathe to say congratulations, North Carolina. But you know what? Hey, congratulations. Nice job. You knocked us out of the tournament. Go. Anyway, uh, we're coming out the NCAA tournament. The the time of year the the time of year when when it is is fun for sports writers to snipe at college basketball programs. And there was a Washington Post story that uh, took direct pot shots at the the University of Kentucky and coaches' salaries and how this takes away from education and blah 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 blah. blah. The uh, University of Kentucky provost, head of the chemistry department. Uh, and the uh, chair of uh, the dean of the uh, uh, College of Arts and Sciences got together, wrote a an editorial in the Lexington Herald Leader, the uh, 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 primary newspaper for for a, a pretty good chunk of Kentucky, uh, pointing out four very important things about the uh, the University of Kentucky athletics department, which are which I think are fantastic. First of all, the program receives absolutely no tax dollars whatsoever; uh, it foots its own bill completely pays its full way of both in-state and out-of-state tuition for all of its student-athletes for every single sport. Uh, They pay the full cost of their facilities, rent, utilities, maintenance, and security, and forth. And most importantly, they give back to the university. In October, they formally opened up a $110 million Jacobs Science Building, uh, $65 million of which, over 50%, was paid by the athletics department. and I think that's fantastic in this in, in an era when when we have people blow, spending lots and lots of money on athletics. I know that's that that this may be the exception rather than the rule, but I am very proud that this goes on at the University of Kentucky, uh, and it's a great achievement. And, and congratulations both to the athletics department and the university for for pulling that off because it's not a common thing. Hooray for jo- Coach Cal! Hooray for the University of Kentucky! Amen to that. And and while I would point out while you bring up Calipari, while having one of the highest paid basketball coaches in the country, they still managed to pull all of that off. So, you know, there you go. Eat it, critics. I think that's cool. So, anyhow, have you anything else? I do not. All right. That's it for us. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure and check us out on Twitter. I'm at LibConMatt. Tim is LibConTim. Uh, we will not leave you for... But I don't know how long. There's probably going to be a break later in May as well. But we'll we'll do better about announcing that one. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll be back next week. Uh, thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon.